Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take notes while we show you how to dream big, work hard, and repeat. Welcome back. Hi. Welcome back. Um, If you are listening to us and you are near your phone or computer, go ahead and head to Facebook and Instagram and look, find us at Heart and Hustle Podcast. And then on Twitter, we are over at Heart Hustle Pod. We love to hear from all of you, um, especially like with this particular episode. We got a lot of um, questions that you sent in and that sort of thing. So we love that. We love hearing like who you want us to interview in the future, um, what you want to hear more of and all that good stuff. And you can also use the hashtag boss so hard to reach out to us all over the internet so please and thank you and if you're listening via apple podcast go ahead and look us up it's heart plus sign hustle um that's pretty much i was gonna say dot com like about to put the whole domain name out there don't do that um and then leave us a five-star rating or review and we'll read it so when you are a creative entrepreneur and you've been in business i would say probably like around year four or five this starts to happen that people just come to you like out of the woodwork and they're like you must be an expert because you own a business so clearly you must know everything there is to know about owning businesses and all the legal stuff that goes into it and everything and guess what we don't mm, didn't um, go to <laughs> law school if i did then i wouldn't have my own business I'd exactly not only are like a <laughs> lot of things very specific to like one particular field so like what is going to work for particular one particular area work for the there's other. so much stuff yeah um depending on what country you're in, depending on what state you're in, what city you're in, what county you're in, all those things can can change things. Right. Um, so I get a lot of people asking questions. I know you get a lot of people asking you questions, um, whether it's you know friends or just people like cold emailing us. And the reality is that just because you own a business does not mean you understand all the legal stuff about businesses. So for I think from pretty early on, we were like, we really wanted to have a lawyer on. I feel like and it was like, two. yeah, it was like very <laughs> early. Like, like, we established like, we, like, we really, really want to have a lawyer on, but our issue was we wanted to find somebody who not just was a lawyer, but somebody that actually, because there's so many obviously different types of law. So we wanted right. somebody that is going to know about entrepreneurship and being a creative and that sort of thing. So there's not really a ton of people that are out there on the internet that are offering their services specifically to creatives that they understand what right. it's like to be a small business owner or a creative entrepreneur. Yeah. And it was important to me specifically when I was searching for somebody for it to be a woman of color, just because yes. it's a little, like, that's why we're here. That's who we yes, are. And exactly. um, I really wanted to have the opportunity and so when we found this person, it was like, oh. Yeah, she's perfect. Books we're are really, months in advance. <laughs> yeah, we're really, really excited about this episode. We think that you guys are going to learn so much. I'm not kidding when I say, like, please go ahead, get out your paper and, and pen pencil. now or your pencil Write it if down. you like to make mistakes like I do. Um, because there's just a lot of information in this episode that is, it's not like every other episode when we're talking to people that are not lawyers who are giving you suggestions. This is the law. Yeah. This is like legit stuff. This is stuff this. from an actual She has letters lawyer. behind her name. Exactly. <laughs> She's got letters in front and behind her name. I so, so, yes, get out your pen and paper. It's going to be very informative, and we hope you guys enjoy. Hey, 
Hey guys, welcome back. We're super excited to have an actual lawyer. Like, say, this is the episode, <laughs> the episode that I think we've had people really excited about for honestly like a few months now. And yeah. we, we've reached out to, you know, y'all the listeners to see like what you wanted to ask. And so many of you have, you know, sent in answers and stuff. So this is like, we're really excited yeah. about so this So we have episode. Takora Davis, who is a law for create lawyer for creative entrepreneurs. And she, I think your firm is the creator's firm. I feel like I just sent your link to three people yesterday because people had law questions. <laughs> yeah, it is the creator's law firm. Okay, that's what I thought. Awesome. We're so excited to have you here. And for people who are not familiar with what you do and how you, you run your firm and how you came about this decision, can you talk to us about it? Of course, of course. So it's a, it's, it's a great story. Uh, I'm modest. I'm just so humble talking about out the gate. It's a great story. but um, That's literally <laughs> how I am. So, yes, yeah. proceed. Hey, you're proceed. An, again, you're an actual lawyer, so you don't have to be modest at I all. I know, in my right? Opinion. <laughs> I would make everyone call me Dr. Lawyer right. if I was a lawyer, by the way. Not that that's even like a thing, but that would just be my name. So whatever you say is way more modest than anything that I would say. So, Oh, my gosh. And my best friend does that. She has me saved as Dr. Takora Jones. Yes. And I'm like, you're doing the most. Yeah, I'm literally, yes. I was just about to say the Esquire. I was like, and don't forget the Esquire at yes. the end. Thank you. Yes. Um, so I'm Takora Davis. I'm the creator's lawyer, and I launched my law firm uh, in January of this year, and it's called the Creator's Law Firm. I help entrepreneurs and small business owners build, grow, and protect their business by providing them legal services in the field of um, intellectual property and uh, business and contracts. Um, so when people think about intellectual property, I'm speaking mainly with soft IP. Um, which is called uh, trademarks and copyrights, trade secrets, um, things of that nature, um, not patents. So patents, we, we say that that's hard IP, not just because of the fact that it is actually hard and difficult, um, <laughs> but you have to have an attorney who has special training and they have to have taken a second bar, which is the patent bar, and patents protect inventions, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, I ended up uh, starting the firm. Uh, I was probably about two and a half years out of uh, law school. I got like my dream job, at least so I thought, at a small firm in town, and they were doing a lot of IP and entertainment law. And I was actually pregnant with my son, uh, about five or six months pregnant when I actually started there. But once I had the child, once I had my son Miles, and I contacted the firm back, and I was kind of preparing to, you know, transition back into work, pick up some work at home. Uh, the lead attorney, uh, it's just straight up discrimination, but he just said, hey, I don't think you're a good fit for the firm any longer. You know, I think you really need to focus on, you know, your baby and healing and getting over your pregnancy brain. Wow. Wow. Um, what a jerk. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like major, major. So I was just like, what? And not that I didn't expect him to say something like that because he was like a butthole. But, uh, <laughs> But it was, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I cannot believe I was just, I, I can't believe I'm a black woman in America. Of course, I can believe being discriminated against and then facing this complex thing with massage war. But it really kind of was a really deep, like, gut punch. And um, so pretty much I spent, you know, this happened last summer. So this happened last June, July, about a year ago around the time, actually. And uh, I spent the last half of that year, you know, just kind of getting adjusted to motherhood working some temporary legal work and jobs and those are things I absolutely 
truly hated. And I never wanted to start my own firm, but the more I worked for other people and doing work that was not fulfilling, the more I got this passion inside of me to do work that matters and work for people and work for small business owners and entrepreneurs. And so when my son was seven months old, I said, I'm just going to leap. I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to do it. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I'm going to get out there. And I ended up starting the firm because I wanted to be a place that not only helps you know, mothers and, and women and, and just anyone in business, but I want to be able to employ people and other uh, parents who are attorneys so that they don't face the discrimination that I faced. So um, that is why I started the work that I do and where I hope to continue to grow and what I, you know, continue to accomplish with what I'm doing. Because I love it. I absolutely love it. That is super awesome. And I think it's like, it's, you know, I love that I know so many black women who own businesses And I do feel like, obviously, black women face discrimination in the workplace, like, probably more than any other group. Um, And in creating our own, like, jobs and our own positions, our own companies, we create, like, a space where that's not going to happen to us because we're the boss. And I I really do love that. And I love that, like, you know, for me personally, like, I try to surround myself and my business with just, like, a lot of women in general and a lot of people of color. And so it's not something that I face in the same way that I faced it back when I had a traditional job. Yes. Yes, it's, it's, I can definitely agree with that. Just even with like the racism today or even the sexism today, it's like on a whole nother level because mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a uh, microaggression. Right. So in essence, you're almost disarmed when you're dealing with someone who, who kind of comes at you in that way because it's like, it's not overt and it's not in your face and it's not like they're walking around with a sheet on their head. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, you know because I think that, it's interesting we're talking about this but hey let's go with it but typically some people in the world will not say something is racist unless that person is like a clan toting like hood wearing person exactly and that's their definition of racism anything else that does not rise to that level they cannot bring themselves to admit that that's what it is um so it's just very very interesting how we get to navigate this world but i knew that I have a lot to offer, and it's not my fault if someone can't see that. I can make my own destiny. I can take my life into my own hands. And me even having that level of confidence, I feel like it's a privilege in and of itself. Actually, uh, seriously. I can say that. And, you know, I have a husband who's super supportive. Because uh, I know that if it was just me or if I had to lean on someone else or, you know, there were not certain financial dynamics in my family, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. So I, I'm thankful that I can do it in, in my position and my privilege, whatever it is that I have, and I continue to work towards having this firm and creating this life I want. I want to have, grant other people the freedom to be able to do that too. And I love that you focus on creative entrepreneurs because I find that um, being like an entrepreneur myself, people sometimes get confused and they think like you own a business, so you must know everything legal about owning a business, which I definitely do not. And I get asked all the time by people that are like kind of first starting out in business, like what to do. And I'm always like, I don't call know. A like, lawyer. I'm like, call a lawyer, <laughs> like because anything that I, I could like, this isn't like my skill set, you know? So I definitely want to know, like if somebody is starting out with a creative business, um, what are three things that you would suggest like all entrepreneurs across the board do when first starting out? Well, one of the things that I would definitely suggest you get clear, like I need you to have, Um, like crystal clear clarity it needs to be fierce clarity surrounding what it is that you want to do I deal with a lot of people who are multi-passionate 
multi-passionate. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with being multi-passionate, but being multi-passionate kind of almost has you like a, a mindset that's almost disjointed where you cannot even focus. And so getting really clear about that one thing that you want to do will really help guide you and help build that business. And if you can start another business six months or a year down the road when you have your blueprint in place, that's a great thing to do because then you can model the remaining businesses that you have off of the very first one that, does, that goes well. The second thing is, please, people, make sure you're not infringing on anybody else's trademark. Um, <laughs> you know, so some people say, I have this amazing idea. I have this amazing business name. It's going to be great. I am going to go and I've got my Instagram and my Twitter handles. I've got my Facebook page. Okay, I bought that domain. Now I've got my stuff with Secretary of State. Now I've even ordered product that has the name on it. I've started to sell it. And then they come to me and then they say, okay, I want to trademark the name. And that is the most backwards process um, <laughs> because what happens a lot of times with my clients is I said, okay, I'll do the trademark clearance search and what comes back when someone already has a registered trademark with that name. And I'm like, you're infringing on someone's mark. You know, they're like, well, well, it's not the exact same or, you know, I added it the. And right. I call myself the Beyonce. <laughs> you're still. <laughs> and I started thinking people were trust and believe people are going to be like, that's, that's not enough distinction in the names so that it can be clear that there's two separate people and two separate artists. And so sometimes people say, well, I put a V here, or, you know, it's a little different. So getting that, making sure your intellectual property is clear up front, especially the name that you name your business, um, that's one of the most important things that you can do because that's how people are going to identify your goods or services by your name. And a name is very powerful because it's a, it's, People don't think or attach value to things that you can't see and right. feel. And that's what intellectual property is. It's intangible until you kind of make it tangible. So it's a way to protect your ideas in a way that's smart and savvy up front that's going to you know, save you money. And then also, the third thing I would say is making sure your contracts are very strong. Uh, a lot of people even ask, do I need a contract? You know, I'm not giving this person money I'm sending them product, this influencer, I'm sending them shirts, or I'm sending them this product so they can make a post about it or a YouTube video, and I didn't pay them, so do I need a contract? Yes, you do, because you're sending them something of value. Whether it was money or not, the product or the goods, you know, or the free service or the gift or whatever it is, it is valuable. It's just money hasn't been exchanged. So, you know, those are things that I think people should really focus on and start not only attaching value to the things that they do, but respecting their business enough up front to invest the time, the money, the resources, and energy to make sure that they're in the clear. Because I find that when they start getting their legal house in order, their legal foundation in place, then you are empowered to take strategic risk in your business that otherwise you wouldn't do so because some people are afraid to take risks because they're not sure if they're doing everything right. I really love that first point you made about being multi-passionate as well. That's fantastic because I think that a lot of people 
kind of do that. They, yeah. you I think know, most creative entrepreneurs are kind of a hot mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. and, and I definitely was when I started, and I think that it really helped that I had my photography business for eight years before I did anything else, because if not, it would have just been a complete mess. And I also love that you use the phrase fierce clarity. I love that. I feel like that needs, everyone needs to start saying that. We're going to uh, make that happen. Just fierce trademark clarity. it first and then put it yes, on a exactly. Mug. You Thanks. know how to trademark it. So... so. <laughs> I will say that I got that from Nicole Walters, so I cannot um, take... I uh, love her. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so she has this amazing course um, called Fierce Clarity, and it helps you get clarity in your business and, and making sure you choose the right one. And I actually took that when I started my business, and it was so, so great, like, to have that fierce clarity before moving forward. And so I really can't take credit for it. I'm not going to get hit with a cease and desist by going oh, around. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to take your sound clip in which you tell people that they need to search for the trademark before... Uh, hiring, first of all, me um, <laughs> or yeah, getting your social a media. Lot of people think like buying a yeah. domain or getting like even an Instagram handle it means like that they copyright the it, and, and it's like not, um, yeah. that's not how it works. And I definitely had a client just now um, a couple months ago. They did a whole thing and they got to the lawyer, and the lawyer went and searched for it, and the idea and the name and everything was trademarked in Tampa and there in Orlando. So it was like you can't even pretend like it's not down the street. You know what I mean? Like it's I in know. the same state, so you're even you know more screwed. Yeah, <laughs> Seriously, and it doesn't matter that this person hadn't been doing anything with the idea or whatever. It's like that's their idea, and they own it, so you have to move on. So I'm so glad that you said that because I think people do think, oh, I have the IG and I have the Twitter, mm -hmm. and now you can add me. And it's like, yeah, you can't, you can't add someone that's that, that's right. there, not yours. That same vein, everybody. I love DIY. Okay, I will go and I will do like you know paint by canvas, or I'll do certain things, or I feel like okay, I'm gonna take this photo with my phone and be a pseudo photographer. But you can't DIY everything. Not the law. <laughs> no, Not the law. <laughs> so y'all need to stop. Like, <laughs> like so I did a trademark search. And I'm like, okay, can you give me your search report? And they're like, huh? Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. Well, what did you trademark search that? <laughs> yeah. So there are certain things that you can do you know, on your own, but there are certain things that you need to lend to, you know, a professional to do. So I would say you can't DIY everything. And I get it, but oops, sorry. No, you're fine. So, yeah. So you offer custom contracts for purchase in your shop. And I know this because I just literally, like, before we talked, I said I linked your link to four people yesterday because people were asking questions about contracts all over the Internet. Um, so some creative entrepreneurs out there still are not using contracts. True story. All yeah, the time. Yep. <laughs> and literally not. yesterday I yelled at somebody about it. So what would you say to convince people outside of what you've already said <laughs> that they need contracts? Like, what can be, yeah, what else we know can we say? This is a point that we got to really drive home for people because yeah. they don't get it. I think take a step back. A lot of people, when they hear the word or any type of legal talk, they almost feel like it's something that's adversarial in nature. Like I have to put up a fight, and someone might get scared away. That's what a lot of people say. Well, I don't want someone to get scared because of this contract that I have. So here's what I would say to convince you that you need contracts. A good contract sets the expectations for not only you as a service provider or a client, but also the people that you're serving. And so when you are able to outline clear expectations and responsibilities, it's easier for you to, it's, it's a part of the client engagement process if you're able to incorporate it in there. And it really helps to set boundaries and standards um, within the contracts that I, and I'm gonna be putting actually more contracts in my, my shop, but within those contracts, I really like to make it clear so that as a service provider, you're empowered to say, okay, 
this is how I expect to be paid. If I'm not paid, these are the consequences for not payment. As this is the scope of my services, you know, because you'll have scope creep. And scope mm-hmm. creep is, you know, when you guys are creative. Oh, so girl, I know. Say, okay, well, I want you to take these photos or do this type of design or I want you to do this type of calligraphy work. And then you send them something back and they're like, okay, can you actually tweak this? And can you actually add this flying phoenix over top of this thing? Can you like do all this stuff? And then they're like adding more and more and more. And you're like, whoa, this is not what we originally agreed to. Mm-hmm. Now you're creeping outside of the scope of this agreement. And in the event that happens, are you as a service provider being um, actually compensated for it? Most of the time, no, because you haven't accounted for it in the contract. And what I find is that when we're able to set clear expectations and responsibilities in a contract, you can say, listen, that's outside the scope. It's not what we agreed to. This is going to be extra fees and charges. And it prevents you as a service provider from being almost resentful. You don't want to resent the work that you do. You want to love the work you do. And having a good contract can help you get there. It also helps you have standing in a court of law. Um, because in the event someone doesn't want to pay you or they're not paying you according to schedule, it allows you to end the contract and terminate it um, so that you aren't, you know, in essence in a relationship with somebody who doesn't respect your time or talent or if you just need to kind of back out of a crazy situation. Um, So there are things that you can account for in a contract and not something that you find that your best friend gave you because she owns a lawn care business and you take provisions from a contract and you incorporate it into your contract. I would call those Frankenstein agreements <laughs> because you're taking a piece from this, a piece from that. Oh, let me add that because I like that. And the next thing you know, uh, you have this living, breathing contract that looks a little weird and scary, you know, and you're like, well, I, my lawn got mowed, like, you know, this week because I got this provision from the lawn care contract. Right, exactly. But, uh, yeah. You know, it's like crazy. So I always just encourage people to, I think if we have respect for our businesses, part of respecting that business is saying, okay, I'm going to invest in the legal needs of the business and invest in certain things to make sure that my business has, um, you know, a good leg to stand on. Um, So I think that those are some things that I would encourage people to do, um, not only do, but also understand and change their mindset about contracts because it's really something that protects not only you, but the people you're contracting with. Totally. And I'm just going to say this for the 90th thousand time for people who don't, your contracts need to be in place for your friends, your family, yes. your neighbor, mm-hmm. your mailman. I don't care who it is. Like an exchange and it's not don't money. Like if it's a care. trading of goods, like you're doing something Please for a creative and they're contract. doing something for you, you still need a contract. I don't care. Exactly. I don't care if it's your mom. I don't care. It's <laughs> in <Send> her contract. <laughs> yeah. Technically, technically, you're supposed to pay taxes on the services that you barter. Right. Basically. Yep. You know, because it's, it's still exchanging value for value. But people don't think a lot of people don't think of it that way. No, and please stop, like she said, Frankenstein in contracts because nine times out of ten, you have something in a contract that completely like uh, invalidates something else. (laughs) You idiots! So please stop doing it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just done. I'm done. You have no chill or patience for people. Don't don't use use contracts because I don't (laughs) talk to you. Like people are like, oh, it's my friend. I don't care. I work with my friends all the time, and they all sign contracts. Like that's not an excuse. So please. Um, yeah, you're intense about them. I'm 
Look. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I, see, this is why. Well, and the other thing I love about <laughs> contracts is honestly just like the organization of like what's going to go, like what's going to happen. Right. Like, so there's no like going back and being like, oh, well, I thought it's like, no, it's just like it's all there. Please, please go back to your and contract. And to me, I'm like the longer, the better. Like, I mean, I have a lot of lawyers in my family, so I don't know if it's just like that. But I'm like, I, like when I see like a contract that's just long and lengthy and it's got a lot of information, everything spelled out to like the nitty gritty. I'm like, I like that. It makes me feel safe. <laughs> As it should, you know, but I, I hope that people continue to understand why it's so important. And, and we're stressing it for a reason. It's not because, oh, we want to have your money and blah, blah, right. blah. It's really because your your business is an asset. So, and it's something of value and you want to make sure it's protected. And if you're not going to have contracts in place or even the right business structure in place you're opening yourself and even potentially your family up to to being harmed let's say you have that one rogue client and they go crazy you know they're just some some cuckoo folks out here true and they will try to some people are litigious they'll love to sue and they'll try to get out of the uh, contracts or get their money's worth or request refunds and all this type of stuff and you're like i did these services i did it to the best of my ability and now i'm getting sued and if you don't have even like the right business structure, like the if you're not like an LLC, if maybe you're just operating as a sole proprietor, you know, as a sole proprietor, if you don't have enough, you know, capital within the business, or if you don't have business insurance, you could be opening not only your personal property up, your real property, your yep. spouse's income, your mm-hmm. retirement income, your inheritance up, all of that will be, you know, eligible um, to possibly being, you know, awarded and a uh, a lawsuit by a judge if you don't have the proper business structure in place. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have no idea that that can they actually don't, yeah, happen. Yeah, they are yeah. not sure. So I'm glad that you brought that up so people can understand the importance of just filing an LLC. It sounds really hard for people, but like hire a lawyer. It's not that difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so discovery calls, you offer them, and they're very popular for um, creative entrepreneurs like designers who need to kind of like uh, map out like where they're going to go with the client but we're really curious to know what happens on a discovery call with a lawyer and specifically with you as the lawyer oh yeah um i you know and i went back and forth with this because a lot of my colleagues they'll charge you to speak to them <laughs> i was and- gonna say that's pretty much typical Ooh, with, I mean, like i know my <laughs> my uncle like he charges if you leave him a message on his phone and I'm just like, okay, he's a, a real estate lawyer, but like, if you leave him a message, like on the phone, he like charges for that. He's like, do you want yeah, me to press play? Yeah. Can you pay me? <laughs> I like that. I think I might get into that because don't leave me a voicemail. <laughs> oh god. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna reply back. You no, know, it's it's. I try to do a lot of things flat rate, uh, flat fee, and you know, it's just being in business for probably the past seven months or so. There are some things that I've adjusted along the way. Um, but on a discovery call with me, it's just free 15 minute call. What we do is we really quickly hit on what are your what are your unique legal needs and concerns? What why is why are those concerns important to you right now? And I also kind of find out what your level of investment is. A lot of people are coming and they're saying, okay, I want to trademark my business, saying I've been in business for five years. Well, why is that important to you now? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why didn't you do this several years ago? Um, and there's nothing. I just, I like to find out a little bit more about someone's business because I try to take a holistic approach to legal representation, where I'm not just giving you legal advice, but I'm showing you how can you use the law and leverage the law in your business to position yourself to profit. 
because I can give you a contract, I can file a trademark, you know, and do block. But how do you make sure that those business assets are protected? How can you leverage those, maybe through licensing agreements or things like that, so that you can continue to make money off of your ingenious and creative ideas? And so what I do is I try in that brief moment to get a very quick, almost like a cliff notes version of the business. What are your unique legal needs and concerns? I share with you how I can potentially help. And there have been times where I say, listen, I don't do that or I don't think I'm in the best position to help you, but here are some resources or another attorney who can. So sometimes I also serve as a connector of sorts uh, for individuals who may not be able to afford my services or they need someone else. And also assess, you know, what is your level of investment? Some people are just calling because they just want to get free legal advice. Um, and I do give a little bit of advisement, but I cannot within 15 minutes have enough information to adequately advise somebody about their business. And it helps to talk to someone to see if we vibe and we're a good fit. Because there are a lot of times I'll just tell somebody no, you know, and I, I've done that before. Like if someone doesn't respect, you know, my education, my experience, my expertise, and they come out the gate trying to compare me to LegalZoom, <laughs> you know, um, that ain't happening, <laughs> you know. Girl, same, same. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, like, that's for sure. You, somebody might have been like, well, I can go on fire. And All I the time. Yeah. I'm like, bye. <laughs> and go, okay, and have the same logo that looks like everybody else. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's so oh, yeah. funny. Um, like, like, first of all, I like that you, uh, just being able to gauge, and I think a lot of people don't understand that discovery calls really are to engage investment, and I'm glad to see that's the same as with, with the lawyer as it is with the creative entrepreneur, because I know that's generally what we do, is like, how serious are you about this investment? Mm -hmm. Why would you, like you asking, why would they be interested in getting legal help now after five years? I think that's so important for people to think about before they up and start calling lawyers and getting confused and getting scared and all this stuff is like how invested are you in your business are you really going to pay all this money to get a trademark on something like lots of people and then it's you're you're done in a couple of years so i just really like that you go through the process with them and give them a little quick 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> which i do like the time i'm all about short discovery calls because people will scope creep oh on your gosh. discovery call yeah <laughs> well let me ask you one more question right yeah yeah ding oh i would yeah. put a timer on i should start doing that people will always be like how long are your discovery calls and i always tell them i'm like they're typically for me they're typically around 30 minutes and people will try to like people will be like oh good like i'll have time for it as if like they're so busy that they almost weren't going to do it that day. But then they try to, like, talk over the time. Yeah. And I'm like, you're the one who was making it sound like you only have 30 minutes. What's We're going to set an alarm and then I'll start banging yeah. you know, like, during the call. And that's like, I, like, I have a little script that I write myself at the end. I know that sounds ridiculous. But if not, like, it's so hard for me to, like, close, close it out, out the conversation. Yeah. So, like, I just have, like, a, like, I always have it with me in case it's, like, going over, which it often is. And I'll be like, okay, well, thank you so much. Well, but, like, so if I just have it in front of me, like, I have, like, the courage to just, like, read it because it's it's hard to wrap it up sometimes because I'm like I, I'm excited they're giving me all these ideas and it's wonderful but I'm like for me until I have a contract in place I, don't I know keep that talking I to will you. make the mistake of yeah. giving even just like because a lot of what I do yeah. is consulting and it's like then you're consulting I'm for sitting free. there consulting for free so it's like I just want to you know I have to protect myself and making sure that I'm only giving that 30 minutes engaging what is needed and then putting the contract in place so I make sure that I get paid because it's very easy for people to be like oh let me just take all your free advice and then walk away Right, and it's uh, that that has been my thing of 
should I continue to offer these discovery calls? You know, because I do, I will, you know, convert a client or whatever, but sometimes I'm like, uh, is it worth it? And so there are two things that I, that helped me. I got this little thing and it's like a time cube. Mm. And so you can like set it and then, you know, set, set it, you know, you set the time cube, you know, you set the timer and you sit it there and it counts down for whatever time period that you have. So it's got like zero, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 and 60. And so, <coughs> pardon me. It helps me stay on track because I'm the type of person that will continue to just give and give and give. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, my 15-minute discovery call turn into a 30-minute discovery call. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I like my little cue because it's like, it'll beep. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's my cue. <laughs> Let me, you know, hurry up and get off. And then there's another service called Clarity.fm. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I've heard of it, yeah. But it's pretty cool. Like, I, I started, you know, just kind of testing that out because some people are just going to call me and they have no intention to hire me right exactly sometimes you can discern that yep okay let me shoot you this clarity link (laughs) (laughs) you know so yeah same oh my goodness I love all of it so this is like I feel like this is the uh, I guess hot button issue of the internet especially among photographers about using the words retainer versus deposit so are you allowed to keep retainers if a client cancels services? And so for a lot of people, not me, because I don't use the word retainer in that sense, but people use retainer as a, like that, that deposit money that they put in, like the non-refundable money to hold them. So I guess that's why they say it's a retainer. And if it's called a deposit, does it make a difference? And like, what is the, what does this mean? And how can, how can we enforce this in a contract? Because I know a lot of people say, I have my non-refundable retainer and it's mm-hmm. 50% upfront and that's what you use to hold me. Or if they say 50 percent deposit does it make a difference and, and like what is the legal way to go about this because it's literally internet I, i'm yeah, so tired I, of this I fight see it this, all the, every week like i feel weekly. like every week yeah. yeah well it's really interesting because a lot of times it is a jurisdictional issue mm. um so it might be the laws may vary state by state in general i've seen it where a lot of times you hear retainers at least in the legal world a retainer is you paying money for future services. Same. That's what I use it as. I've never heard that until photographers started using it. And I was like, oh, why would you say the word retainer when it's to hold you for future services? Because that's what we use for in development and design-wise is that. Right. Well, I do specifically. Yeah. And so typically, like, retainers are not refundable. You'll use them, like, within a specific period of time or you lose them. And so... Some people, based on that, you may want to rethink whether or not you want to use the word retainer mm-hmm. in, in your contracts. And then a deposit is pretty much like a payment made in good faith to show that you're intending to complete your end of the transaction. And so um, they can either be refundable or non-refundable. And what I like to do in my contracts is I do like a reservation fee. Mm-hmm. So instead of naming a retainer or deposit, it'll say, okay, this is your reservation fee, mm. and, and some people call it a booking fee, but reservation is just like a little bit more warm, right? <laughs> in my opinion. And so I'll say this is a reservation fee, and as a result of the reservation fee, you know, it is securing uh, the photographer, the client's, you know, date, time, you know, and services for this future date. Um, and that re- reservation fee is not refundable. Um, but typically, it's not so much so that whether you use deposit or retainer, at least in my experience, if that's really the big issue, the big thing is how, what is your policy surrounding that? How do you define it? 
and what happens in the event there's a breach of contract. So what's even more important in the contractual agreement is how does somebody get out of the agreement? Uh, what are their terms when they cancel it? Does that mean that, that you get to retain the deposit or not? Those things need to be clearly spelled out in the agreement. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's even more important than what you name it and what you call it. People really need to understand if it's refundable or not refundable. You know, because a lot of people think about deposits like security deposits on a on a apartment. Right. You know, I pay my security deposit, I'm supposed to get it back. And so in the minds of some people, like laymen, they're not thinking that they may not think that they're they may think they're supposed to get it back unless you tell them otherwise. So in my opinion, you know, it matters more how you draft the contract to show that you're either retaining that deposit, you're refunding it, or what is the money supposed to be used for as opposed to what you end up calling it. Yeah, I think that that's um, an incredibly important point. Like, I've always had an entire section of my contract devoted to just cancellation, um, especially because, you know, again, I started out as a wedding photographer, and these things definitely happen. I've had weddings canceled, you know, six months out. I've had weddings literally canceled two weeks out. Um, so for me, it was always really important to have that, like, you know, in in the contract. Now, with social media and branding, like, I don't really have as many cancellations. Like, that's not really... You know, I don't think it's as common as a thing, but in the wedding industry, it's like, you know that it's going to happen. And I think that a lot of people just put in like, oh, here's your deposit. And I think the confusion comes from right. a lot of people, a lot of these clients are coming in and they're like, oh, I put down, you know, my, you know, 50%, you know, for my deposit, but now I'm not doing it. So, so I, I need to get money my money back. back right? And there's no clear, um, you know, part of their contract that says, in you know in case of cancellation these are the steps that are that right. are then agreed to they don't put that part in they're just like oh well i put my deposit in so i'm safe and it's like no depending on how it's worded like you're and and again like nine times out of ten if a photographer is going to be taken to court over it they're they're probably unless they again have a sound contract and have a good lawyer like a lot of them are just going to give up and be like okay here's the money back right. which happens All more often than not and i think that honestly just having that clear section of like this is how to handle a cancellation would really solve those problems for so many people another thing is in a lot of the agreements that i draft i will have the payment plans almost on a sliding scale so you'll have the reservation fee or the non-refundable deposit whatever you want to call it that's put down and you also accept the first payment yep so then you know x amount of months from then here's the next payment payment, or the final payment and what you do is you say you make sure there's language in your contract that says all monies received are earned upon receipt or well all monies you know paid are earned upon receipt because courts uh, in general they will favor uh, contract language to draft it in that manner because it's clear I'm clearly telling you that when I give you this second payment that you're earning it upon receipt because there are things that as a service provider or a wedding, someone in the wedding industry, you're doing to prepare for that person's wedding date, you know? Right. So you're preparing in advance, whether that be if you're doing, um, you know, if you're a wedding or event planner, you're going places, you're setting things up, you're on the phone, you're talking to people. And so you're still should be compensated for the work that you're doing up until that date, the preparation work. So there's a way also that, that's why it's also important to make sure that whenever you have a contract drafted, that it's drafted in a way that's most favorable to you. Because if you go into court and you present a contract and it says, your honor, she paid on this day and it clearly says here, 
that the fees that I receive were earned upon receipt to compensate me for all the work that I've done up until this point, it makes it a lot more difficult for a judge to go back and say, okay, you need to refund the second payment, the first payment, you know, third payment, if that individual consented each time they made that payment. So I think that's another thing. A lot of people don't do that. They might just do like 50% down and then they get the rest of it, you know, a couple weeks before the wedding. And it's not that a court won't look favorably upon that. It's just you'll be in a much better position if you accept payments on a sliding scale. And the court is more likely to refund money offered in a lump sum oftentimes. Hmm. I did not know all of that information. That's actually very good to know. Um, Another really, really popular question that we see all the time, both all over the internet and then a lot of people have written in to us and been like, please ask her this. What is the difference between a patent, a trademark, and a copyright? And when should you use each one? Because I feel like a lot of people are very confused on this. Okay, I'm so excited. (laughs) This is is like, I get so, these are like trademarks and copyrights are my jam. Like, so I'm just so excited to talk about it. Okay, so. This is why you were, like, you were made to be a lawyer. (laughs) I know, I know. I get so happy about it. But So patents are to protect invention. So things that function. Um, So a utility patent can protect a pharmaceutical drug and it can protect the engine of a car. You can have what's called a plant patent. So I actually used to do research on genetically modified tomatoes in, in undergrad. So I have a biology degree and I was all into plant physiology back in the day and that's how I kind of got introduced to intellectual property um, and so I realized like oh if you create get a new genus of plant or you do something to the seed and you make it man-made you can actually get a, a patent on the plant and then you can also get what's called a design patent where you are protecting the artistic or ornamental features of something so if uh, this pen that I have in my hand obviously people can't see it but you can actually get a design patent on the ornamental features of Mm -hmm. the pen Um, so pretty much patents they protect inventions like i said you need a patent attorney i strongly recommend a patent attorney um, if you have a new idea for an invention because the way they draft those patents are just very complex in the claims and all that type of stuff so uh, that's what patents are used for and the different ways that it can be used uh, copyright, it protects any type of artistic work or design in a fixed tangible medium. That legal mumbo jumbo I just said pretty much means you create art and then you make it in a way that people can almost feel it and touch it and experience it. So copyright extends to musical, um, like song lyrics, the actual music, videography, photography, uh, research papers, websites, blogs. Um, things of that nature Um, so copyright that's what copyright protects and then trademarks protect things that identify your brand so your name your logo your tagline and sometimes a trademark can actually even protect um, product or packaging design so the nasty peeps that people eat on Easter (laughs) they're so gross I love you that you were like the nasty ones just in case Like, why this? Yeah. It's but true. Anyway, people do horrible things, and that's something horrible. <laughs> There's a trademark on the peep because the moment that you look at a peep, you're like, oh, it's Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Please, you know, they're out here again. So 
there's a trademark. So immediately when you see it, you automatically know who makes it. So think of it that way. So what I find is patents, like I said, inventions, copyright or artistic works and design, trademarks, brand identifiers. Now people get confused. They come to me and they say, I got a t-shirt design. I got some words on a shirt. I'm going to protect that. So I've seen t-shirts that'll say like, I don't know why this is the only thing I can think of right now, like baby mama, you know, when you're pregnant or Mm -hmm. something like that. When you look at that t-shirt, can you immediately tell who created it? Right. Nine times out of 10, no. You're like, okay, that's a cool or cute design on that shirt. Copyright will protect the graphic design on that t-shirt. But if you look at someone wearing a Nike shirt and you see the Nike symbol on the, the breast part of the shirt, you automatically know without having to ask, any other questions who created that shirt so that's how you're able to say oh that nike shirt it identifies the brand which is nike so that's almost like the distinction between when you need a trademark or when you need a copyright i like to use that example because a lot of times people try to trademark words that they emblazon across a t-shirt and they get a rejection and that's one of the primary reasons why that they're really trying to seek the wrong type of intellectual property protection. Um, there are 45 different classes for trademark protection. So when I say uh, that's why we can have Dove chocolate, which is protected in, I believe, class three. Well, no, actually like class, excuse me, like 23 or 30. And then you have Dove soap, which is protected <laughs> in class three. And so a lot of people will say, this person has my same business name. I'm going to send them a cease and desist. I have a trademark. And we have to take a step back and ask ourselves, are you guys operating within the same industry? Mm -hmm. Do you guys have the same customers? Is there a risk of customers being confused between your two brands? If I want chocolate, I'm not going down the soap aisle. (laughs) I'm going down the candy aisle. So that's another thing that people need to understand about trademarks is that even though you file a trademark on a particular name, it doesn't mean you can stop anybody and everybody from using your mark. Only those who are operating within the same space that you're in, offering the same goods or services, and there's a risk that customers will be confused. Yep. <laughs> I just like, I, I'm glad that you're saying this because trying to explain it to people, they're always like, I don't know what you're talking about. But the yeah, Dove chocolate and Dove soap is a really good example, and I will use that in the future. Uh, <laughs> also, all that knowledge aside, peeps are super disgusting, and I'm very upset <laughs> that people eat them, and my husband eats them, and no, I'm just like, I don't trust you. Like, I don't <laughs> like, girl, like, peeps, you gotta like, you gotta really just have a come at Jesus moment with him. And he'll, <laughs> he'll eat like an entire pack. Oh, no. Like, he'll oh. eat like six or eight of oh, them. No. Like, it's disgusting like during easter all of the kids like because no one in my family likes them and we do easter with my side of the family and all the kids will be like what is this sorcery like i'm gonna put it to the side i don't want it and he'll just go through and eat everybody's peeps i don't know what's wrong with him i'm really considering our friendship (laughs) with him right now it's really on the line like it's hanging back right now i mean i would rethink everything that you know i know i know i love him but it's it's very you when we re- you redo your vows in 10 years take out pe- like add something about peeps you cannot, <laughs> like you cannot peeps. eat peeps anymore <laughs> we're done cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so people always have questions about copyright when it comes to content on the internet 
What advice do you have for creative entrepreneurs for their websites? What is protected by copyright laws from the, I know it's like what, the Millennium Digital Act or something like that? I don't know. You're a lawyer. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> you went to school for this. <laughs> yes. So you're talking about DMCA, the Digital Millennial Copyright Act. Um, so that was the act that was put into place, I believe, sometime, in, I can't remember the year, but you know, it essentially protects you know how people are conducting business um, and their intellectual property online. Mm -hmm. So when it comes in terms to protecting your websites, uh, I definitely recommend having terms and conditions and a privacy policy, as well as a copyright policy. Uh, a lot of people who are bloggers, they are writing great content and they want it to be shared, but what they do not want is someone to copy and paste their blog and pawn it off as if it's theirs. Right. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you could have a brief copyright policy where you say, you know, in the event you want to share, you know, my work, please, uh, you know, link back to my site, please credit me. So that could be something simple that you do where you're almost granting permission for people to share your, your information, but there's a way in which they share it. Uh, your privacy policy is more so a, a, in, a, in a lot of states, uh, particularly California, actually require uh, privacy policies where you're basically saying in the event you're coming to my site to visit and I collect any information from you, if you're using like Google Analytics or Alert or if you're accepting, you know, email signatures for your, for your newsletter, you have, a, you have a responsibility to share with those people what it is that you're doing with their information. Are you selling it to third parties for a profit? Because if that's the case, then people need to understand and know that when they're giving you their private information because they may not want to. Um, but then terms and conditions. I like to liken terms and conditions to, you know, um, you know, like on the episode of Martin, where people come into Martin's house, and then Martin would get mad and be like, get to step it. Right? So, your website is like your property. It's your real estate online. And when people come in your house, you expect them to act a certain way. You've got to act like you got home training in my mm, house, right? I like Preach. this. I like <laughs> this. If you don't have home training, you've got to go. you got to get out. So I like my terms and conditions when I draft them for people to almost be like that. You know, hey, don't use, you know, disparaging language if you're going to comment on the blogs. You know, there are certain, you know, if you're going to come here, don't steal my logo. Don't steal my intellectual property. You know, so there are certain things that you can put in your terms and conditions to make sure that people respect and honor, you know, your space online. And if not, then you're saying, listen, don't use my site. So that's kind of the, the three things that immediately come to mind when it comes in terms to protecting your website. And then extending beyond that, if you're collecting emails, because we all know that email lists, especially if you have engaged individuals, it is, could be directly correlated to uh, income, you know, mm -hmm. if you're selling things. So you want to make sure that when you're communicating with people that you comply with this act. It's called the CAN-SPAM Act. And so you are making sure that the address that you use in the bottom of mm -hmm. your email um, correspondence is actually a real address. Mm -hmm. I know, right? Like, why would they make me put my real address? <laughs> you know? But you have to do that to be in compliance with that act um, because, you know, back in the day, people were just spamming people. Yep. Chain oh, letters. I feel like mm -hmm. if they stop, I don't know how to stop. Who is it? And so now it's like I know how to find or locate this individual. Um, you have to give individuals ability to opt out. It's a common misconception that people believe that you have to actually get someone's 
permission to put them on your email list. Technically, you don't. You just have to give them a reason to get out oh, okay. in the event they don't want to be on it. Um, and if you're advertising something, you need to be clear and say that you're actually advertising or soliciting things of that nature. So, you know, there are certain things that you definitely need to do and check out the Can Spam Act. C-A-N, spam, like, you know, that nasty potted meat. I don't know why I'm talking about that. I'm about to put get to step in somewhere I'll on my say, website like, for me, immediately. Like, relating it to Martin, like for whatever reason, that very much clicked for me, and I've never thought about like terms of use, like or terms of service, like in that way. Right. Because like for me, I think of like a website as like this is how I get people to purchase my goods or services, and I'm like, I love that you were like, no, this is my space, and right. like when you need to come in here, like you need to act a certain way because this is my space. Or get I'm to like, step in. I'm I seriously like, literally I, gonna write or get to step in somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I like to make the law fun and relatable because people get scared. They're yeah. like, oh, it's, it's, they get so scared that they, they're almost paralyzed. They don't know what to do. And I'm like, if I can break this down for you in a way that you can like eat it and you can get it and it clicks for you, then that really excites me because it's, it's, it can be broken down in a way that if I can share it with you in that manner, then now you're empowered. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. And this is what I need to do. And you almost can take a little bit more ownership over things. So it's always exciting to, you know, chat about it and put it in a way that it relates to people get it. And that's why I know I couldn't work for anybody else. People like this girl is talking about Martin and Spam. And, and, <laughs> and peeps. <laughs> I love it. But that's why, like, that's why it works. You know what I mean? Like, that's literally why it works. Is I feel like some people go in, they talk to a lawyer, and they leave still not even knowing what the heck is going on, you know? <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that you have some new contracts that you're working on and adding to your shop. Um, so we want to know, like, what other contracts, projects, just everything that's going on with you do you have coming up? And also, where can our listeners, what's the best place for them to find you on the Internet uh, if they want to go ahead and hire you so that you can help them get their legal life together? <laughs> and get your legal life together. I love it. So, um, upcoming projects within pretty much by the end of this week, I plan to upload more contract templates. So, it'll be for, you know, wedding um, and event design, uh, destination weddings, photography, um, event rental, if you want to, you know, rent equipment. Um, I want to get one together like for doulas. Um, mm. You know, I had a doula in. Um, my birth and it was just so amazing and I think a lot of people are getting into the midwifery and doula space and mm -hmm. really supporting more women as they give birth and I want to make sure that those individuals is they have you know contracts to protect themselves so that's something else I want to do um, so I'll be continuing to put out more contracts to to help people who are in the wedding industry and also coaches and consultants uh, next week um, I you can find me on uh, my website, www.creatorslawyer.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Creators Lawyer or The Creators Law Firm. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Creators Lawyer. And I am going to do a webinar um, next Saturday, if you're listening in real time, next Saturday, July uh, 1st, mm -hmm. 2017 at 12 p.m for wedding professionals and I'm going to be talking about how you can protect your business um, all the way from formation to your intellectual property and your contracts. Um, in August I'm going to be speaking at Wedding Wire World. I'm really excited about that. Um, 
talking about wedding industry law and behind the veil. And I'm excited about what I get to do, and I get to do it on my own terms, and I get to help people who look like me, mm-hmm. and some people who don't look like me, but a lot of my clients are moms or you know, just black women who are really just trying to sprinkle their magic all over the world. And I am just excited to help people um, with their businesses and help them build their business and, and understand what power they actually have in the ideas that they have. Historically in this country, you know, the intellectual property laws have not been written to favor our community. And so I'm trying to kind of recapture that and share the information with people so that they know how they can protect their, you know, IP. Um, and I forgot to mention this, but when it comes to protecting you know, like your trademarks, you have to monetize it. Um, that's what happened with the young lady, Peaches Monroe. She said on fleek, her video went viral, right. but she never monetized her mark. She never tried to sell goods or services associated with it. Everybody else did. And now I believe she's trying to pursue trademark protection, but she may not have a really path to actually protect the mark now because other people beat her to it. Yeah. You can even kind of see that a little bit with the black girl magic thing that's going on. Same, yeah. People have to understand that when you have an amazing idea, we too often sit on our ideas and Mm. we're kind of paralyzed by perfection instead of just going out and stepping out on faith and just trying. And when you start doing that, you're able to put yourself in a position to not only protect that mark, but prevent other people from doing so. And that's the power of a trademark. If somebody comes along and takes your name and starts confusing people, then you could potentially not only stop them, but get paid. So, um, you know, those are the things that I have coming up and things that I'm passionate about. And I'm just so humbled and thankful that you guys, you know, had me come on and chat with you guys on this great podcast. Well, no. thank you for chatting with seriously. us. I'm like, um, please come back. I know. <laughs> like, I seriously want to have like a lawyer Q&A panel thing with yeah, you somehow, some I way. Mean, this has just been fantastic. I feel like I've learned so much. This is definitely one of the episodes that like I will keep like for personal use to refer back to. And I just feel like, again, these are questions that we've seen out in the community asked so often in like private Facebook groups for entrepreneurs. These are Real questions life. that people wrote to us and they were like, oh my gosh, you're going to talk to a lawyer. Like, and not, not only are you like a lawyer but you are specifically there for like us you know it's like because I feel like there's not really a lot of lawyers out there that do exactly what you do and and really just like cater towards creative businesses and creative entrepreneurs so I feel like it's just such an incredibly important thing that you do and and so many people um that are out there are just kind of a mess legally so they really need to like call you and get it together <laughs> they're mess legally and they're eating peeps and they're eating spam and right? they just need you <laughs> Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you.